Hey guys, and welcome to our third and last episode of All Things MSD. Uh, I am your host, Amashle Shazi, and I am with... Salma Sheikh Hussain. And today we're discussing all things um, treatment of motor speech disorders. Um, and before we start, uh, I'm going to be talking about um, treatment options for dysarthria in the second half of the podcast. And Sama will be talking about treatment options for? Apraxia of speech. Yes. Um, and before we get started, um, I just wanted to talk about how important... Um, uh, or some important considerations for planning treatment for motor speech disorders um, because I think you will have heard in the past two weeks we talk about how important it is that we take the the ICF framework into consideration, right? And so even when we're planning treatment, it's important for the goal of treatment uh, to be able to help individuals achieve the highest level of independent functioning for participation in daily living, right? And we can sort of see these in all sorts of different ways. But without further ado, let's get started on treatment for apraxia. Okay, so I think for apraxia, we need to consider um, the goals of our intervention, um, which as a speech pathologist is to help the individual achieve the highest level of independence, um, uh, independent functioning uh, to enable them to participate in their daily living. And this can be done by helping to teach the person's muscles how to make sounds again by saying sounds over and over and using correct mouth movements. Um, you can help the person to slow down their speech or to talk at a steady beat so that um, uh, they can m- help to produce the sounds that they make. Um, so the goals of like um, apraxia, the goal of intervention for apraxia is to use the person's strengths and address their weaknesses relating to the underlying structures and functions that affect their communication and to facilitate the, in- the individual's activities and participation to develop new skills and strategies, which, as Shazi says, um, ties into the ICF, um, as well as like eliminating barriers and enhancing skills that increase successful communication and participation. Um, and then Obviously, you know, your goals for apraxia specifically are to improve the speech production and intelligibility, you know, using an AAC if it's necessary um, and using gestures or teaching gestures, manual signs um, and just uh, making communication more functional. Um, I think it's also important to consider family-centered practice because the families um, always play a role in the individual's care. Um, so you always have to provide the family with like counseling, um, resources and information about what you're doing, what's happening, coordinating them to provide services and um, teaching them the specific skills that are necessary to help them understand their uh, uh, family members. Um, so treatment considerations also would include like the client's autonomy and personal preferences, the task difficulty, task hierarchy, etc. Um, also to pro- to, to provide the person with feedback because feedback is very important after a session. 
Um, it's also important to um, consider your treatment approaches. We can either be restorative or compensatory. Um, and restorative uh, approaches aimed at uh, improving speech production and intellig intelligibility focus on reestablishing motor plan programs, improving the ability to select and activate them, um, such as the speed of your speech. Um, and then approaches for compensatory apraxia of speech focus more on like teaching use of strategies or external aids and creating a more personalized resources um, to communicate. Um, so we can use an articulatory uh, kinematic approach, which is when you provide frequent and intensive practices of speech targets, focus on accurate speech movement, um, include external sensory input and speech production. Um, it includes like um, multi-input phoneme therapy, sound production treatment, speech motor learning treatment approaches. Then you can use sensory cueing approaches, which includes integral stimulation, tactile cueing, prompting, visual cueing. Um, you can then use word and phrase, uh, which is a focused approach, which is script training, rhythm and rate control approaches, um, contrastive stress approaches, um, melod melodic treatment approaches, intonation approaches, um, and there's also an AAC. Um, yeah, that's for apraxia of speech. Okay, it seems like you've covered a lot. Um, and while what I might also say might also seem a bit repetitive, um, it's also important to understand that um, even though we're talking about two overarching um, disorders, they still also fall under the broad category of motor speech disorders. So once again, when we come to treatment approaches, like Salma has said, treatment can either be restorative or restorative or compensatory, right? So when you talk about restorative approaches, we're aiming at improving or restoring the impaired function, right? But when you talk about compensatory, we are aiming at compensating for the deficits that aren't um that aren't going to come back through retraining, right? So if you're talking about deficits that are lost and we we can't sort of train them back to come back because they are completely lost. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. So to sort of expand on that idea, when you talk about restorative approaches, we are then focusing on improving speech intelligibility, efficiency, uh, prosody, and naturalness. But when you talk about compensatory strategies, we are wanting to then improve comprehensibility by increasing the speaker's use of communication strategies, right? Um, that means we're not only then talking about verbal communication, um, and we also then want to improve the listener's skills and capacities and also altering their communication environment. And this is where the use of AAC comes in. And the use of AAC is usually then determined by the severity of the dysarthria, right? So if someone still has some... Um, vocal speech production uh, that is there, then it's not advised to use a compensatory approach, right? We want to use a restorative approach because if speech production is still there, we then want to increase speech intelligibility, right? So even though it's something that we mention, um, 
it's also important to know when to use which approach, right? So then, when we talk about treatment options, so mainly treatment options uh, are those that di targetly direct to the speech production subsystems. And then the other type of options are other speech options, which um, include different communication strategies and environmental modifications, the ones that we talked about in compensatory approaches, right? So the first one basically talks about the restorative um, approach options, and then the second part talks about the compensatory approach um, options, okay? So when you talk about um, treatments that target speech production uh, subsystems, we're talking about respiration, phonation, and articulation but also including resonance and prosody right so uh, a treatment that's particularly popular um, in phonation is the Lee Silverman voice treatment which is um, an intensive program that targets high phonatory effort to improve loudness and intelligibility right um, respiration when you talk about respiration we want to look at making postural adjustments that allow um, people to be able to breathe better because we know that um, their breathing also supports the production of speech um, and we also want to look at improving improving um, breathing by maybe using optimal breath groups when speaking. So maybe for each breath, speak for only the number of syllables that can be comfortably produced. So that's one of the options that we can use. And then for articulation, we can have phonetic placement techniques um, where we use hands-on and descriptive um, methods to work on the positioning of the mouth and the tongue and the lips or the jaw during movement. Um, but also then it's also important to note uh, what the research or the literature says about some of these um, treatment options and their efficacy. That's something that is very important to note. And unfortunately, we don't have much time to get into that. But also um, we mentioned resonance, right? So resonance, um, this one usually um, can be used uh, can be improved by a palatal lift prosthesis or a nasal obstructor. And so these aren't in our scope of practice, but it's important for us to know that these treatment options are available. And the fact that when we provide treatment, uh, when we have these prosthetics, when you have these prosthetics, we then know how to do uh, uh, conduct therapy with them in use, right? Um, and then lastly, in the compensatory strategy, sorry, in the restorative strat strategies, we talk about prosody. And prosody is increasing the awareness and ability to control respiration, rate and pitch uh, to vary emphasis between multisyllabic words and in connected utterances, right? And then for other treatment options, which are usually compensatory, um, we then want to look at speaker strategies, um, which is maintaining eye contact, um, pointing and gesturing to help convey meaning, looking for signs that the communication partner has or has not understood the message. And we also want to look at communication partner strategies, um, which is being an active listener and asking for clarification and providing feedback and encouragement. And I'm going to draw on from what Salma spoke about the family-centered approach, because this is also where you train the communication partners that the patient is usually involved with in how they can sort of um, understand the speech that they now produce. 
Environmental modifications are also important, such as reducing background noise and ensuring that the environment has good lighting so that uh, the speaker also, or the patient not only has to rely on what they hear but what they can also see um, and improving the proximity between the speaker uh, and between his or her communication partner and importantly using face-to-face -face seating and lastly we also talked about um, AAC which is augmentative and alternative communication system and we said and like we said this um, is based on how severe that this arthria is um and because like we said um it's also um not indicated if a person still has vocal production abilities right and you also need to then consider the factors influencing the treatment decisions um which is also including of the cultural factors and service delivery, which are very important, especially in the South African context, right? So we need to take all of those into the consideration. And just because what we told you are the possible treatment options, it doesn't mean that they are a one-size-fit-all. Just like how we spoke about the differential diagnosis and the assessment, we also nearly need to be cognizant of the environment that we're in and the ability we have to sort of implement these treatment options right and now I'm, I'm not just only speaking about um diagnosis assessment and treatment but i'm just speaking about our development as speech therapists right um i think we've learned a lot about therapy and about ourselves as clinicians during the this three-week podcast wouldn't you say summer yeah yeah you learn a lot especially while you're trying to educate other people about it by speaking about it you're learning more about it from yourself from each other as well exactly because in as much as we sit and we compile this content together um i still learn from you and how you present the information and it's sort of really then sort of wonderful to see also how I learn from the content that I'm delivering and the fact that not mm -hmm. only can I share it with this podcast but I can also share it with my classmates so thank you so much for this wonderful experience it's been a lovely three weeks thank and you. yeah bye good, guys good bye it's I hope you enjoyed our podcast yes guys and if you want more um just email us bye <laughs> email us <laughs> <laughs>